G'day everyone, and welcome to My Union Road in ABA. This is a podcast to chronicle the progress towards a new enterprise bargaining agreement at Monash University and is brought to you by members of the Monash branch of the NTEU. We're here to take the old agreement and hashtag change it. And unlike our namesake, my dad wrote a porno, do everything we can to avoid being fucked in the process. Those involved with the podcast would like to acknowledge that it is being recorded on the unceded lands of the Kulin Nations, on whose lands we live, teach, and work. We would like to acknowledge and pay our respects to the traditional custodians and elders, past and present, and to the continuation of the cultural, spiritual, and educational practices of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Always was, always will be, Aboriginal land. Hello everyone, it is I, your friendly neighbourhood National Councillor Adam Fernandez. I'm here with another salary update fresh from the Vice-Chancellor's office. It has been 236 days since the expiry of the last agreement, and our Vice-Chancellor has finally cracked the $750,000 mark, earning a sweet $775,732. We can expect a missive from her office reflecting on the return of students to campus, world pride and other distractions concocted by the PR team at Monash. Just so we don't notice the parking fee hikes and the slow descent of staff into grinding poverty. Well, on that note, I'm signing out. Enjoy the rest of this podcast. As most of you are probably aware, we've now been bargaining, if you can call it that, given the shitful levels of engagement from the university with what we've been proposing, since October last year. In that time, inflation and the cost of living have become really serious issues facing many staff. Mortgage stress, rent increases, the cost of food and fuel constantly rising are taking its toll on all of us. Last year, as this was starting to really take hold, the NTEU launched a petition for a pay rise. With the uni dragging its feet and an expired agreement, the only way this could happen was with an administrative pay rise, in other words, by forcing management to offer it. Hundreds of signatures later, the university did just that, giving us 3%, which was less than what we petitioned for, and patting themselves on the back so hard they nearly fell over. That was below inflation then, and sure as shit is now, so one of the main requests that the bargaining team have been making with each meeting is, can we talk about pay? Our VC, who rakes in 3k a day, may not be feeling the pinch, but ordinary workers definitely are. Their response? Fuck off, not going to happen. Well, not in as many words, but that's clearly the implication. And so last year, in an all-members meeting in November, we asked members to endorse a position that said, if we don't get a meaningful pay offer by the end of January, we will begin the process of moving towards industrial action. That motion was very strongly backed in that meeting, and with January coming and going without the university's representatives even pretending to care, we had another all-members meeting to vote on whether to apply to the Fair Work Commission for a PARVO, a protected action ballot order. That motion too was strongly endorsed with 96% of people saying that they had had enough and it was time to take action. That brings us to now. Last episode, which we released a couple of days before the meeting on the 7th, uh, we spoke to Campbell Smith about what industrial action is. If you haven't listened to that yet, maybe considering pausing this and going back to listen to it as as it sets the stage for a lot of the conversation today. This time around, we're going into more detail about what the PARBO process looks like and what the actions that we voted to endorse might look like in practice, who has to engage in them, and also historically what we as the Monash branch have been able to do in the past in terms of industrial action and what has worked. To help us work through all that, today we're going to be talking to Amelia Sully, a former organiser at the Monash branch, but who now works at Melbourne University, and the always name-checked but never before on mic, Sophie O. 
one of the two Monash branch organisers. So hello and welcome, Amelia and Sophie. Welcome to the mic. (laughs) To begin with, perhaps you can both tell us a little bit about yourselves and what you do. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's good to finally have some mic time. So I am an organiser at the Monash branch at the moment. I've been here since sort of April last year. Um, Basically, I suppose my job is to help coordinate, you know, members, campaigns, um, get people active and engaged um, and joining the union. Um, But before I was an organiser as well, I was a casual academic over at the University of Melbourne and was a delegate in the NTEU and was quite heavily involved in a lot of the wage theft and casuals organising that we did over there. Um, Amelia? Thanks, comrades, for having me on the pod. Um, Sorry in advance for all the edits you're going to have to do. Um, I um, also was a casual at Melbourne. Um, I was a tutor in the art history department Um, and Uh, Now I work as an organiser at the Melbourne branch, but um, as Kate said, I was at Monash um, for a little while before that. So I I had a baby in 2020 and when I came back from leave, I'm now at Melbourne. So hi. Thanks for that. And it's good to have you back within the union fold, Amelia. Uh, It's great to have you both here talking with us today. To start with, what might be a bit of a big question, but one that I think is important to ask, uh, why do we take industrial action? What effect does it have and what effect do we want it to have? Yeah, um, I might jump in first if that's okay. Go for it, comrade. Um, (laughs) That's, yeah, obviously that's quite a big question, Tony. Um, But I think, I suppose, really it comes down to a lot of the, the power dynamics sort of at play during bargaining. And really, I suppose, in, you know, outside of bargaining times as well. The university, as we know, has a lot of resources, a lot of money, Um, And at the bargaining table, you know, our team, people like Ben or Scott or Michelle um, or Alice, who hasn't yet been on the pod, you know, they can make the most sort of reasonable, logical or or moral arguments for why something should be changed. But I think, and as we're seeing as well, you know, HR can just sort of say no, or, you know, we'll think about it and get back to you. And there isn't really a lot of recourse at that table for our team to kind of push back. Um, you sort of, you know, you can keep sort of going over the same ground again and again. So I suppose what industrial action or, you know, in the context of bargaining or, or direct action um, outside of bargaining can do is sort of shift the university's position. So I think by people kind of coming together um, and doing something to really disrupt operations, it makes the ultimate, you know, decision makers, people like our 3K a day VC, um, it, it holds them kind of accountable, I suppose. And when, you know, when when those disruptions happen, they want to make that problem go away um, and and they will, they will move uh, to make that happen. So, yeah, I don't know, Amelia, if you want to jump in and add anything? Yeah, no, that was like perfect answer. The only thing, small thing I would add to that is just to say that, like, it would be good if we could sort it all out through talking with management in negotiations. Um, but negotiating for a new enterprise agreement isn't a level playing field. And as Sophie said, um, if it were just a matter of getting in the room together, making a good case for the changes um, and a reason would prevail, we would wipe the floor with them. Our members' trade literally is making rational argument. So um, the, the, like the reality is in bargaining, workers are up against it. And so um, 
industrial action is a way to, you know, if management were to decide not to listen to staff, um, industrial action is a way to balance out that imbalance at the negotiating table. So at the all-members meeting on February the 7th, 96% of members endorsed a motion to apply to the Fair Work Commission for a PARBO to start the process of industrial action. With that motion now having been passed, what happens now? What does the journey between the vote last week and actually taking industrial action look like? So I suppose I know in last week's episode, Campbell spoke quite a bit about the technical side of a protected action ballot. Um, you know, applying to fair work and giving the university a chance to potentially challenge our actions um, and, and that sort of behind the scenes work. But I think basically for us on the ground, what happens now is that at some point, probably in the second half of March, um, members will be, and every NTU Monash member will be asked to vote Uh, on a list of nine actions that were endorsed at that meeting. So during that voting period, we'll we'll need at least 50% of the NTEU Monash branch to participate in that vote. And of those who vote, we need 50% of them to vote yes uh, to each action. It's quite a big, I suppose, like turnout that we are required to to do, but we do have a lot of things... um, I suppose, planned in that time between now and then to sort of ramp up, you know, our engagement and our outreach to members and to people who aren't union members who should always, you know, join. Um, So, yeah, we've got, you know, phone banking and workplace meetings and coffee stalls. Um, Shout out to the Parkville and St Kilda Road uh, members who are organising workplace meetings. Um, We haven't forgotten about you. So, yeah, I think all of those things, you know, door knocking, one-on-one conversations, we just really want to, I suppose, cut through the noise and have everyone, you know, engaged and ready for what's to come. Yeah, and just to add on that, make sure you've got your uh, details up to date with the union uh, to make that uh, voting process as smooth as possible. Wow, that really does sound like a lot of work. Um, So once it's all done, how long do we have to actually do it? Are the actions time limited? Do we have to do them within a period of time? Um, I can take this one, Sophie, if you like. Um, Good question. So um, once the ballot is declared, if we um, win the ballot, then we first need to give three clear days notice to management. And we also need to take each of the actions within 30 days in order to enliven them. And once we've done that, they're available, they're on the table for members to take for the duration of bargaining if they choose to. Cool. Uh, And so the other question I think that we had a lot in our all members meeting on the 7th of February was, does everybody have to participate in all of the nine actions, particularly if they've voted yes to them, do they then, is that kind of then a contract that they then have to sort of fulfil or anything? Um, Yeah, so the vote in the protected action ballot is not a vote to take industrial action. It's a vote to give yourselves the right to be able to take industrial action down the track later in semester if you choose to. So um, if if members at Monash win the ballot, then it will um, be up to uh, members to decide collectively about whether you decide to take any of the actions at all. And then if collectively you decide to take action, then um, it's up to you as an individual whether you choose to participate in that action. And there's some actions that will apply to some people's work and some that may not apply to your work. So, for example, um, one of the questions 
is a ban on consultation with or providing support to students outside the delivery of tutes, lectures or workshops. And so if you're not teaching, then that then you can't participate in that action. But you can still vote yes or no on that question. Um, and we still need um, 50% of all members uh, working at Monash to participate in the, in the vote and a majority of those voting to vote yes for those members who could, if they chose to take that action, actually be able to do it down the track. Yeah, and so I think it's important, like in that sense, that just because you can't do that, don't deny someone else the ability to do that. So if you don't teach, don't vote no to that because you don't think that's something you're going to be doing because, in effect, what you're doing is depriving people who might want to do that and take that action from being able to do it when the time comes. And so speaking of that kind of differentiation as well, um, how do casuals go about engaging in industrial action? Is it different for us versus full-time or part-time staff? Short answer is no, it's not really different. You know, say there is a ban on consulting with students and you are a casual tutor. Um, Obviously, you can participate in that ban. Um, But for instance, if there is an action that is a strike on a particular day and you maybe aren't working on that day, you can't really technically participate in that industrial action. But it doesn't mean that you can't, you know, go along to the picket line or or participate, you know, in in some other way or or help organise it. So I know um, at the last round of enterprise bargaining negotiations at Melbourne Uni, I was a casual um, and I wasn't working on the day that there was, you know, a strike called, but I still was in the rally and, you know, participated and wore my, you know, purple shirt and waved my little purple flag. And it was amazing. It was so much fun. And, you know, there's like friends and colleagues and, you know, supervisors and other tutors and stuff and everyone was there together and it was it was really fun. Um, so yeah, I suppose yes and no to that question. Um, that was that was also the first strike, NTEU strike that I was a part of as well. And I remember like um, the morning of it and realising that organising a strike is like literally like having a party and like in the hours leading up to it, like starting to worry that no one's going to come to my party. And I remember the morning of the strike at Melbourne, um, um, I was there for it the start of the day when a few people arrived maybe a bit earlier on time and they were, you know, looking around and you could imagine them feeling like, am I going to be one of the only people who come to this? Like maybe I shouldn't have come. And then um, someone put on over the speakers music and I think it was Dancing in the Dark by um, Bruce Springsteen, which is like super cheese. Like my Excellent choice. (laughs) My vibe is more Diana Ross, but, you know, all of a sudden, like, there were just a couple of people and then all of a sudden there were hundreds of people there. Um, and then we, there were speeches and then we marched down to join the rally that was on the same day um, to try to change our unfair workplace laws. And I remember that feeling of, like, we kind of marched down from Melbourne Uni and we joined the rally somewhere near Trades Hall and you couldn't, there were so many people you couldn't really hear what was going on and, couldn't see what was going on and then after a while after the speeches um we started to move and we like turned that corner into Lonsdale Street and because we're at the back of the rally just like as far as the eye could see the street was full of of people marching it was the best most joyful feeling that sounds it's like so much fun (laughs) excited to get to it again in this round of bargaining um so the meeting that we had on the 7th of February endorsed a list of nine actions which covers the things that we as a branch, as members can do 
So just to remind everyone, I'm just going to really quickly read through the actions that we endorsed at the all members meeting and that uh, form the basis of our PARBO. So the first one is stoppages of work between five minutes and 24 hours in duration. The second is an indefinite stoppages of work. The third is a ban on participation in Monash University events. Number four is making statements explaining why the union is taking industrial action. Number five is a ban on the transmission of assessment results to the employer. Number six, a ban on the use of Monash University's online systems. Number seven is writing emails in all caps and or without punctuation. Number eight is a ban on consultation with or providing support to students outside the delivery of tutorials, lectures or workshops. And number nine is a ban on working outside your usual hours of work. So a pretty good list uh, covering a wide array of different types of action. there. And all of these actions will potentially look a little bit different, like Amelia was saying, depending on where in the university you are and what your job is. So to help uh, support these uh, industrial actions, um, are there things outside of industrial action that's related to the PARBO that members can do to organise and build pressure on the university? And what's the kind of relationship between something that's considered industrial action and something that is probably considered more organising? Good question. So how do we organise ourselves to get ready for industrial action? Um, well, I think the main thing is talking with each other as colleagues. So it's um, the, the organising work of getting ready for something like industrial action is really fun. Um, it's just like, just really, it's just a matter of getting together with um, a colleague or a friend in your department or in your school or in your work area and getting together for a beer or for a coffee, whatever, and sitting down and making a list of everybody who works in your work area and mapping out who knows who and who's friends with who and working out how you're going to get the word out to everybody. And you don't need to talk with everybody. You just work out who's going to talk with each person. And it's really fun. And that feeling of getting together with colleagues and doing something to start to change something at your workplace that you think should be better than what it is, is such a good feeling. Um, the, the first thing I remember doing when I was just a member of the NTU when I was a tutor at Melbourne Uni was uh, we had a campaign where we were trying to um, get people secure jobs at the university. And I remember there was one day where we were going around putting up posters about this campaign. We, I remember going around with a couple of other mates who were also union members and, and with members who I hadn't really met before but was just getting to know. We were putting up posters all over the university and then, like, at the end of the day, we all got together to have a beer at Subu. And I remember, like, feeling like for the first time, I was like, oh, wow, like, it could be different. Like, the, the feeling that management um, has this control over my life that like, you know, that I didn't have a secure job because there was like something wrong with me or with my work, that feeling I started to realise, oh, maybe that that power relationship could be different. And so that just that act of like doing something together with colleagues to try to, to make the university a, a fairer place to work is so empowering. So the, the organising for the action itself is really fun. So I recommend getting amongst it. Something that I think sticks out to me in particular about my time as, you know, an activist and a delegate in the union, particularly I think as a casual staff member is, you know, when you're you're getting ready for an event or a rally or something like this, the sense of community, I think that it it, it helps build is, I think, in contrast to the sense of like alienation and isolation that you feel when you're, 
you know, a casual and, you know, you don't have a an office or something or you don't really feel part of the department. And I think that union organising and doing that sort of stuff and that relationship building can really help combat that. And, and it's quite fun and, it, you know, you feel like, why not for me? I felt like I, you know, sort of I found a sense of like belonging and community and built like really, you know, long lasting friendships with some of those people. And I think as well, particularly for casuals, like I've worked at Monash for nearly a decade and there are people that I have been friends with and colleagues with for years and years and years who I can go months and months without seeing just because of the atomized nature of the work that we do. And I think this is the perfect opportunity to reach out to those people and connect with those people again. And it gives you an excuse to to talk to them and to, to sort of engage with them again. So... Just now, I guess, to, to turn our heads back a little bit to, to the last round, Amelia, you were uh, at Monash during that. What are some of the actions that the branch took last time? Um, people may remember uh, last time we were negotiating an agreement, members working in the libraries taking an action that um, if you were to return a book, they would treat you as if you had paid any fines you had on your account. And that was a fun action um, and like members had fun with it. So when they, at the point when they decided to call it off, they called it off specifically at 3.31.20 a.m. on the day that they called it off because that's the Dewey Decimal Code for um, books on compensation and other conditions of employment. I remember there was like I had a good lull like reading the coverage of the action in Campus Morning Mail as well because I think that the heading of the article was something like, what do we want, Dewey? And then like subtitles like industrial action shelved in the Monash U library. Um, <laughs> so that that was fun. Um, there were also, of course, um, stoppages. So there were um, a number of strikes. Members also took the action of making statements about why union members were taking industrial action. As a branch for Monash, what are some of the challenges do you think that we face this time and what are some of the strengths that we have as well as a branch? What can be a bit of a challenge is that we have so many campuses. You know, people are quite spread out. We have Clayton, Caulfield, Parkville, Peninsula, Bendigo Rural Health, people in St Kilda Road. So just purely in terms of getting in front of members, that can be a little bit of a challenge. And I think probably another one is the last few years have been a bit hard on Monash staff with, you know, restructures and redundancies and COVID and that sort of thing. But the flip side of that is that that also becomes a strength in that members are fed up. I think people are actually quite angry at the university and I think that the constant sort of predictions of a deficit and a decline in, you know, student enrolments, which hasn't really occurred. We've said it, you know, a million times already, but, you know, last year Monash made an operating surplus of $416 million. Things like that and and the fact that, you know, just yesterday it was announced that parking fees at Monash were going to be hiked in line with CPI while pay uh, hasn't, hasn't really gone up and it's definitely not going up in line with CPI. So I think that those sorts of things really are feeding into people's anger. And I think that that can be channeled into taking action. Um, But I think that also another strength, which is sort of more broadly, is that over the last couple of years, at the same time, it's been quite challenging for our sector. We've actually made some really, really important gains and wins around 
you know, wage theft. And I think with other universities, like we had Gavin Smith um, from Western Sydney Uni come on the pod um, at the end of last year, talking about some of the permanent jobs that, you know, they were able to win there and some of the better conditions. So I think in that sense, there's a lot of anger, but there's also a lot of hope and a lot of, I think, traction for the claims that we're making. And they resonate quite deeply with members. So I'm quite optimistic and I think that we're in you know a really interesting sort of turning point for our sector more widely particularly in this round of bargaining. I guess as as maybe a final question then our path towards industrial action now is sort of coinciding with a wave of strikes and industrial action in Australia and around the world in all kinds of different sectors. Why do you think that is? Good question. Um, Yeah so people would know that colleagues working in our sector in the UK are currently taking action themselves. I think it's something like 70,000 colleagues um, working at 150 different institutions in the UK are taking action right now. In fact, they're taking strike action today. They are trying to win a fair pay rise, to um, win more secure jobs at their universities, to, um, to resist changes to their pension scheme. And there's really interesting debates happening within among union members in the UK in our sector about different forms of industrial action and strategy. So they're sort of right now they're in the middle of a kind of stepped up strike. So I think this kind of current set of strikes started a few weeks ago with two days a week and then the following week they're moving up to three days a week and then four days a week and then five days a week and I think then there was maybe a break or a plan for a break. So that's kind of they're sort of in the middle of that at the moment which is really interesting when there's a debate there about like the efficacy of, of that approach to strikes versus um, an indefinite strike and, and what the pros and cons of each would be. Um, people would also know that there was a long strike at the University of California towards the end of last year. So there were, I think, 48,000 workers um, in the UC system who were affected by that action. So um, some of whom were out for three weeks, some of whom were out for five weeks. And I think that was perhaps the biggest strike in US history in academia. So that happened only a few months ago. UK um, colleagues are on strike at the moment. So it's definitely something is in the water in our sector at the moment, comrades. It's called the corporate university. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Excellent little quip there, Sophie. Um, And just as a reminder to everyone, if you want to take part in industrial action, whether it's writing emails in all caps or going on strike or anything in between, you've got to be a union member. So if you or your mates and co-workers want to stick it to management, make sure you're signed up and that they are too. And for members, please take a minute to make sure your contact details are up to date. As I was saying before, uh, that'll make the PARBO process go much more smoothly. Uh, and when the time comes, it'll be really important that we can get in contact with you. And thanks so much, Amelia and Sophie, for your time today and for explaining to us and everyone out there what the path forward looks like and what the next few months of bargaining at Monash is going to look like. Thanks for having me, comrades. Dare to struggle. Thanks, comrades. I'm looking forward to it. All right, folks, that's it for this episode. Thanks to Kate, Danny, Adam, Bernard, and Pod Daddy Sophio for all the work they've put into this. And we'll catch you next time. Well, I have turned the song of this beautiful land, but the beauty-